Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guest tonight's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most other places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Get an extra buck or two, they wouldn't mind tossing the podcast tip jar. Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also considering helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review in iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Buddy Holly. I'm not trying to stump anybody. It's the beauty of the language that I'm interested in. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 170. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a rainy winter day here in St. Paul, Minnesota. I think it's a good day for Copper, the Wonder Golden, and I to spin the Nada's latest record, One Louder, on vinyl. Last week's gigs wrap up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Vegas trip giveaway night was packed. Great to see Bob and Jonesy out and about. Thursday, I played a duo show at BDL Club in Roseville, Minnesota. Can't believe Rich from Rochester and the crew made it up. Friday, I played a duo show at Phoenix for Baldwin Hospital. Thanks to Courtney for hooking me up with the sweet Wisconsin private gigs. Saturday, I played a duo show at Eagle Lounge in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. Super fun and busy. Thanks to the guest vocalists, Sally and Glenda. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, January 16th, 2019, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, January 18th, I'll be playing a duo show at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota from 5 to 8 p.m. Saturday, January 19th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rambling on down to Forest Lake, Minnesota to rock out at Vanelli's by the Lake for their Chili Fest from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Is part one of three with Mike Butterworth and Jason Walsmith of the popular folk rock band The Nadas. We talk Dancing Lucinda, Recording New Start, iTunes misspellings, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, everybody. I'm here. Is this South Minneapolis? I believe so. Is with this, yeah, I don't know. Nice. We are with <laughs> the Nadas. One of my favorite groups, I'm not joking, 
of all time. I wow. haven't told him that yet. Oh, We're just sitting you. here in the Airbnb. I'm with uh, Mike Butterworth and Jason Wallsmith of the Nadas. They're here in town playing a few shows, and they're nice enough to have me over here to uh, talk about some music, their latest album, some of their shows, their career, things like that. And for the first time in 160-some weeks, it's 11.30 in the morning, and we're about to crack a surly hell. Yeah. Man. Nice. Are you saying we've really drug you down? (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder if people don't know what surly hell is if they think surly hell is like, I just cracked a surly hell. (laughs) So I'm going to go crazy on you. So if my grandmother is listening, surly hell is from the Surly Brewing Company, and uh, it's a very popular brewing company around the Twin Cities here. And uh, (laughs) that's good shit. That's a good good breakfast beer. I did not know what to expect. Brunch beer. Yeah, we haven't had breakfast yet. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so where did you guys play last night again? A place called La, La Musique. Uh, which is in like a movie theater complex in northwest Minneapolis on the way to St. Cloud. I don't know if it's actually Minneapolis or... St. Michael. St. Michael. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Um, Tom Pickard, who is one of your local longtime uh, industry heroes and uh, owns it, and uh, he put on the PA. He's an amazing sound guy, cool dude, and... Uh, it just it sounds good. It looks good. It, there's comfortable seats, and it's a pretty cool thing you got going on. I, I've heard of people like making music venues out of movie theaters before, but I've never heard of someone putting a music venue in a working music movie theater. So there were like a dozen other movies going on at the same time as there's this rock show going on in one wow, in that's theater cool. fifteen. Is that uh, a unique room that you guys have played? One of the like a movie theater. Have you, what's some of the odd places you guys have played? Oh, we've we've, we've, <laughs> we've played, played everywhere. <laughs> we've played, uh, you know, we played in a show in an elevator once. What? Mm-hmm. Nursing homes, malls. I do nursing homes. Um, what's the elevator one? Bar mitzvahs. Uh, <laughs> what's the elevator one? It was it was it was like a uh, morning show, morning radio show, WHO Radio, Van and Bonnie. Um, and they just broadcast their whole show from this elevator, from this bank of elevators in like Des Moines' tallest building. I think it's like 48 stories. And so their show just went up and down. And there was a comedian in one elevator. Yeah, they they filled all the elevators with different in another elevator. Yeah, different yeah. Uh, things for yeah. the people that work in the office complex to enjoy their elevator ride. Yeah. So we so took it one tep- step too far, like we often do. And every once in a while, someone would get in the elevator. And we'd play our music, and then instead of staying in the elevator, we would get off with them and follow them to their desk, <laughs> still playing. Yeah, that's cool. Uninvited. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. So for, let's say, if my grandma's listening or whatever, you have not know sure the Nadas are. They're an iconic folk rock band from Des Moines, Iowa, or is that where just where you started up? We started in Ames, but in Ames? Ames, Des Moines, pretty much, you know, pretty close to each other. Closer okay. than uh, the... The venue we played last night to Minneapolis in Minneapolis, so nice. Counts. It counts. That didn't make any sense. Ames yeah. is about thirty miles from Des Moines, so that was it's a college town where we yep where we started, and now we all live in the Des Moines area. Okay, um, how far is that from the cities? I used to play on Des Moines all the time. It's like four hours. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah, not too bad. So, just asking, how often do you guys make it up here? 
A few times a year is what we're going for now. We we used to play here a few times a year, always at the fine line for years and years and years. And uh, we we kind of played everywhere. We played O'Gara's, played the Uptown, played uh, Caboose. Uh, where else? Seventh uh, Street. Do we ever play Seventh Street? Yep. Uh, did that. So we kind of played Target everywhere in the Center. cities, but we settled at the Just fine kidding. line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, settled at the fine line for probably a decade. Yeah. But uh, it just kind of went downhill for us. Um, you know, I think places and audiences and, you know, everything's kind of cyclical. So for us, it didn't work out. And we tried a couple of other places in town. And then we just kind of gave up on Minneapolis for a while. Uh, we came back two years ago and played the Turf Club. And it was a packed house, and it was awesome. So nice. we've been trying to come back ever since, and I don't know. Scheduling didn't work out. And um, so we're back here this weekend for a couple of duo shows. We're actually here with our keyboard players, so they're trio shows. Okay. And um, and then we, we're booked back at the Turf Club March 15th, I want to say. Really? That's a weekend. Nice. So that'll be that's our first great. time back. Since, I'm going to try to make that one since, for sure. Uh, since the, the last time, but... Um, yeah, speaking of the fine line, so I've played music like full time from the cities for like, was it like fourteen years or something like that. When I was first starting up, I graduated college from UW Stout and uh, moved to the Twin Cities, and somehow we stumbled upon the Nadas. And my band guys and all my friends, we would go see you guys all the time at the fine line. Nice. And I remember talking about some to some of my friends. Um, this before I was a full-time musician myself, and I see you guys playing up there, and like Mike, you'd have the the blonde hair, bleach blonde <laughs> hair, and the earrings and stuff, and it was in the, when you could smoke back in the fineland. You guys are all smoking. It would look like kind of this weathered musician look. We were weathered back then, huh? Yes, oh, but it was in a good way. <laughs> and I was watching you guys and playing, and we used to play your uh, um, uh, Dancing Lucinda, that record. Mm-hmm. We used to sing that and play that all the time. When she was a young girl Her mother said You and me are the same You will grow to be You guys were like some of my idols. I was like, I want to be just like those guys when I <laughs> get older, for sure. It wasn't like weathered. That's probably not the best word, but oh, you know what accurate. I mean. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. <laughs> it was just uh, it was just such a cool image. We'd follow you guys around all the time, and and um, uh, that's is that off the yeah the new start record. Yep, from and 1997. It's actually also off of uh, our very first record, which is called "Not a Sound." I not think a we sound. might have quadruple dipped that song. You think so? <laughs> I think it's on "Not a Sound," "New Start." I think it's on "In Vivo," which live. is that's live. So a live record that, from like '98 or something. And then I think it's on "I See Where Am I," which is our double disc greatest hits. What does that stand for? Oh uh, yeah. In, In case, case you missed, missed it. it. In case you missed it. Okay, I was thinking, wondering what that was. Yeah. Um, which yeah. I think now is like. A hashtag. It could be. But I don't think it was when we did it. Not that we started the hashtag. Trendsetter. Coincidence. <laughs> yeah, for like Dancing the Cinder, I guess we'll just talk about that right now. I just kind of jump around from no the problem. That's We're cool. just kind of BS. And uh, we would sit in this apartment and we would just sing that song over and over and over. And I remember my buddy was graduating UW Stout moving to the Twin Cities. And I remember the last thing he listened to, I walked into his room to say good luck, whatever, was, was that song and that album. And it was just a huge, like, 
um, what do you call that? Like a soundtrack your life. Nice. Like a lot of your guys' music has been that through mine and a lot of my friends and old bandmates and stuff. That's awesome. Um, Thank that's you really so much. cool. Yeah. I always do a story behind the song segment, but there's a million of them off the new art record I want to ask you about. But while we're just on that, what is the story behind Dancing Lucinda? Well, I hope it's not super disappointing, but that was actually one of the first songs that I also we hope your grandma's listening now. Worked worked <laughs> on and wrote and when when we started writing songs, we really didn't know how to write songs much. Um, it's something you know you learn uh, over the years in doing and in working with other people and getting trained. But then, really, we didn't exactly know how to write songs, and so I just started with the chord changes and kind of started humming a melody and then kind of started sing-songing some words. And then I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. And then I took this group of notes and kind of looked at it. I'm like, this is, this is a song about a, a girl that was pushed too hard by her mother and rebelled. And uh, in this case, I allude to it, but um, it's not uh, obvious, I guess. But she becomes a stripper and has a hard life after that and then turns herself around. So it's a work of fiction. Kind of like okay. Jen A from Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. I guess. You can't keep doing this, Forrest. You can't keep trying to rescue me all the time. They was trying to grab you. A lot of people try to grab me. Just, you can't keep doing this all the time. I can't help it. Um, after writing the song, do you walk in the rain a lot or no? Yeah, I mean, if I get caught in it, <laughs> I usually I, I I briskly walk in the rain. Sometimes even we'll move to a a jog or nice a scamper. Um, why do you think that song connects to so many people? Man, that is a good question. That is a really good question, and I don't is know. Is it the harmonies? Take a walk in the rain. Take a walk in the rain. There you go. Because we all have harmonies. We have a lot of songs with harmonies. But and that whole ending out just kind of fizzles out like that and, uh, and the harmony over the top of it. I, I mean, know. it is sort of an epic arrangement, like a really um, over the top sort of sounding song. But we have a lot of songs with harmonies. But it, normally you think of songs that, that resonate with people because of the subject matter specifically, because it can identify with something. And and we've always, you know, we've, we've I guess, sort of strived to write songs that are ambiguous in a way, but universal in another way, so that many people can identify them for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. This song, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> subject matter... And lyrics, that's what some people use as a way to resonate. Like mm -hmm. the song, res that resonates to them. But I think a lot of people, and me too, like a hook or a melody or a musical something mm -hmm. resonates with people. And I think that is more what's going on here. But Or it might just be, I want to be happier this time. It, and that's all they hear it, and that's yeah. all they resonate with. Or It could, yeah. And the take a walk in the rain. I don't know that a lot of people walk in the rain. Well, it's a it's a romanticized sort of scene. Mm -hmm. like, it is, yeah, like a John Hughes movie thing, like romanticized yeah. scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rom com. <laughs> How's it going? How's what going? You 
know, things, life, whatnot. Life is not whatnot, and it's none of your business. So you, you guys still have to play that song quite a bit? Every night. Every night? Are you sick of it yet? Every night. No. Not really, actually. It's because it still is a crowd favorite, and I, you asked the question, and I don't know the answer, but it is, and it makes it really easy to play when you're getting so much energy and feedback coming yeah. back to the stage. People are always singing along. I mean, last night was a room full of other people's fans, but there were still a lot of people singing along. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you release the In Case You Missed It Greatest Hits records? I would have to read on the back. Yeah, go to go to Wikipedia. <laughs> so, uh, but just it was the record before our most recent record. So I think it was 2016, maybe. Okay. Was that an October one? So we started it as a 20th anniversary project, but then it stalled and delayed, and then we kind of put it down for a while, and then we came back to it. So, um, so it was not our 20th anniversary, which would have been 2013. I think it came out in 16. There was a lot to bite off. 20, 20 cuts mm-hmm. re-recorded, mm-hmm. and we we tracked it ourselves. Um, Jason's parents had a huge commercial building in downtown Des Moines that was only getting used for part of the, the building was getting used. So we kind of moved in, brought some equipment in, and recorded it. But there was nobody there to kind of keep our keep us on track and focused. The record previous to ICYMI we recorded in the Lovejoy building and and it was really a it was a really unique experience for us because we we didn't we didn't rely as much on uh pro tools, plugins and things like that. We we like used the space to get the sound. Um it's a really I think uh honest authentic record. That's weird because that's the name of our record label too. But um, yeah, authentic I don't know. records. Do you, is I saw that the that. way you? At least that's the way I perceive it. Is that? Are you? On, are we on the same page there? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we did. We did. We used a lot of the different spaces for like different sounds and and then just the environment itself. It was like it was a cold and dreary, leaky building, and uh, that kind of came through on the record. I think so. Anyway, we'd already recorded there. We decided to use the same space for ICYMI. Um, but then it got stalled and delayed. Neil, who was here with us, our keyboard player, actually kind of came to the rescue because we we had almost essentially shelved the project, and he kind of resurrected it, brought it back into the studio. Not kind of. He he took the tracks and 100%. listened through and made a to-do list and went in the studio and spent like hours and hours and, and hours. Scheduled people to come in and do parts that were missing, things like that. Why did you, it's for like a greatest hits collection kind yeah. of, why did you want to record them, re- redo them? Uh, well, because we've been doing this for so long and because some of those songs were literally on that first record. Yeah. Um, and we have, we've become more weathered and more grizzled. <laughs> uh, well, but the songs had evolved, But right? the songs have yeah. evolved, our sounds changed, our voices finally changed. <laughs> I mean, that first, re- <laughs> that first, the first record, we sound like, you know, choir I couldn't voice. find the first record. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. It's on purpose. It's smart. I wish I could. when I do that someday, if I ever have the opportunity to, I'd like to redo mine too. Gordon Lightfoot's famous for doing that. Oh yeah. You know, Gord's Gold is all he redid, which is like his biggest album, but he re-recorded all the stuff, and that's the ones you remember is how when he was kind of more grown up, redid all the stuff, and that's the versions you know. So that's kind of cool. You did I that. Didn't know that. That's cool.
it's it's cool and it's not cool. We could have taken that energy and done another record, like you know, <laughs> and had more songs and whatever. So part of me is like, it's done. It, that's what it is. Let's do something else. But it it was it's pretty cool also. And it's a great way for for people who don't know us to get kind of a sampling of our in you know twenty years of songs. Yeah. Um, but it is also weird in that it really the whole thing kind of sounds like one. It's got one sound to it. Yeah. Where over the years, if you like different songs from different records, there's a wide variety of the way it sounds, you know? I've definitely noticed that because I have a, a playlist of uh, um, songs in our music break. Mm-hmm. I take some of my favorite. I like like independent local music, stuff cool. like that. And so you guys have a number of songs that are on our playlist. Awesome. And you can tell they're all they're all recorded differently and mm-hmm. all have different sounds. That's, that's super cool. So with the Dance and Lucinda thing, how did you... Pick the songs on your greatest hits record, the In Case You Missed It album. Oh, that one was easy. <laughs> we, we threw it out to the fans mm-hmm. on social media and tallied the votes. Really? Was there any that made it that you were surprised made it? Probably, but I don't remember what's on it. Me either. <laughs> no, I, th- I think uh, there were some that were like, oh, man, we have to do that. That's going to be... <laughs> oh, yeah. Mostly Sp- just you. Well, specifically... Um, Life in a bucket. I taste it everywhere I go. I said, I live my life in a bucket. It's rusty and full of holes. You know I kind of love it. My place I call it. Right? Which is, I, I think it's an okay song, actually. But it's not my favorite. And so up tempo rocker, I'm well aware of that. Up tempo rocker, yeah. and it's a little bit, che- you know, cheesy. And super I think, cheesy. I think we don't. I think our our fans a lot of times really like the, our cheese, and I think we try to distance ourselves from the cheese. <laughs> I yeah, I spent a a good number of years kind of anti cheese, thinking that it wasn't good artistry, mm-hmm. basically, but. It's okay, you <laughs> See, know. When he's still, he's still hesitant. <laughs> well, I, you know, I enjoy the bare naked ladies, but when people start comparing us to the bare naked ladies, I'm like, Man, oh, that's I'm cheesy. supposed to be a serious rocker over here. <laughs> Dollars buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy you a K-car. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there was a time where I was like, nope, not playing it, not doing it, not doing the kitschy songs. Mm-hmm. But that was dumb. Huh. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> so we'll end up episode here. Do you guys mind doing a couple more episodes? No, we're sure. here. Okay, so for the story behind the song segment, I'll play Dance and Lucinda at the end if that's cool. But I want to ask about that new start record. Where did you track it? And uh, what's the, like, what's the, where would you guys track it at? What was the concept behind the record with the album and all that kind of, the album cover with the kid and the bike or whatever? Yeah. And uh, just tell us about tracking that album, if that's cool. Yeah. So New Start, a lot of people think of that as our first record. That came out in 97. And we had done this other record before that, which we recorded, like, in a, a plumbing supply store in Fort Dodge, Iowa. We did the whole thing in 17 hours. That's it's including like, mixing. It's full of... You know, just like mistakes and just bad performance, and 
uh, it was just never something we were proud of. Like, I guess we were proud that we did it because I don't think when we started a band, we ever thought we'd record something. And that sounds crazy now considering how easy it is to record things. It was not easy to record in 1994. But I didn't, I, there, were, there were no other bands in our town that were not signed, that were not, that were recording their own music. So, so for us to like figure that out, it was a big accomplishment. But that being said, I don't think we were ever really very proud of the record. So when we did New Start, we like it was a whole different thing. It was like, okay, let's do this for real. That was fun. People liked it. People bought it. Let's do this for real. And and really, what the the difference is is it's when we worked with a producer. We worked with Paul Wright, who's a good friend and worked on a lot of our records. But he came to us and said, "Hey guys." I like your songs. I like your band. I'd like to record your music. And we're like, cool, man. And he had, you know, a, a setup in his basement that was pretty great um, in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Uh, but even at that time, I, I think he was using ADATs to ADATs, record. But we did the basics in a really interesting studio. Not, so. not for New Start, I don't think, did we? I think so. Okay. Check Hit that then. Check the tape. Check the tape. <laughs> no, we we uh, and we did coming home and new start in this place called Junior's Motel, which you should look it up. I mean, it's amazing the people who have recorded there, and it's literally in a chicken coop in this tiny town of Otho, Iowa. There were these two guys, um, Kirk Kaufman and I didn't know there was two. I thought it was just um, there was there were these guys who had a band called the Hawks in the eighties. <laughs> They were signed to Columbia Records, and they took all of their advance, which at the time I think was like a few hundred thousand dollars, and built this state-of-the-art recording studio in this chicken coop on the guy's parents' farm. I don't know who designed it, but like, I'm not famous. I'm not into studio design, but yeah, yeah a, a top name designer. So this was studio. in the '80s, and so the place already had a reputation, um, and people from all over the world, like big major label people, had come and recorded in this chicken coop. So that's it's still there. You can go record there now, and you record a tape. All they do is, you know, tape recording, and uh, so we did our basics there, and it was awesome. And so then, so we took those files from the tape machine, and dumped them down to the ADAT, and then we'd go and do our overdubs in Paul's basement in Cedar Falls, and he had a wife and a child by then, a mm -hmm. little baby, mm -hmm. and we lived there. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people were in the band at that point. Was it just four or was it five? Yeah, I don't know. But I cannot, like, looking back, they were probably a little younger than we are now, but I cannot imagine having five people in my house for months. I remember sitting in his living room. He had, like, two Lazy Boy Barca loungers, and I remember sitting in there with his family watching TV, but, like, there weren't enough seats, so I remember sitting on the floor in front of that, like, leaning back on the on the easy chair while someone else was in the easy chair. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like her, his wife has a patience of a saint. Yep, still does. Um, because we would go, we would record, and then we'd go out and play shows, and then we'd come back there. We wouldn't go home, come back there and record, and then go out and play shows, and then come back there and record. And so every once in a while they got, you know, a two, three, four, or ten-day break from us, but <laughs> not often. So that was new start and coming home. We did that way. Yeah, but like to the back to the 
the recording, that was before automation was readily available. So when he mixed it, he had to push faders and change EQs, and he had to get it right. So the mixing took forever because he'd get, you know, uh, 90% of the way through a four-minute song, and he would miss a cue and have to go back and mix it back down because there wasn't automation that was readily available. Wow. Yeah, just kind of crazy when you think about it today. Wow, that's a great story. Um, I'm gonna I gotta stop this episode one, but I do since we're talking about coming home. Um, are you playing that Almond Brothers solo on the song "Coming Home" at the end? No, that's our friend James Bean. Jesus, who's that? <laughs> uh, James Bean. So he is a, he's a Des Moines guy, and he is a monster guitar player. Um, and he has a a business where he teaches kids. You know, he's got he's he teaches kids lessons, and he's got other people that come in and teach drums, and so kind of teaches rock and roll, and um, has showcases for the kids, and they they play together, and you know it's called play. Central Iowa Music Lab, and it's, and my kid is literally going there in an hour to like do an open house to maybe start taking lessons. Nice, there, so. nice. But um, yeah, he's just really really good and a cool dude, and he played he played a lot on our first records um not the first that solo one, gives you goosebumps. not the first one. i mean that's mm-hmm. incredible yeah uh back then like i'm i'm not a very good guitar player now but i was horrible at leads back then so basically just couldn't do it so we would bring people in um to do some of that stuff and he was a go-to uh i remember we we recorded in dallas um and we can get to that later in more detail if you want. Yeah, but, for sure. But basically, we flew him down to play uh, some guitar, and after the the first song, which he you know nailed in one take, the producers like stopped and kind of there's brothers, two of them, um, kind of talked to each other. And they said, "Mike, come here." Somehow we got to throttle this guy back. He's too good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he says it sounds like a Nashville studio player, right. which is a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. And so that's so I'm like, just tell him that. And they did. And they're like, OK, a little more raw. Here we go. <laughs> but yeah, he's just he can play anything. He can play anything. Wow, that's super cool. Uh, one question also is I've been digging online for your songs off of coming home. Then we'll move on, whatever. Um, beautiful girl. You come and dance with me. Yes. How come on the internet it's called Beautiful Name? Someone pointed that out last night, actually. Yeah, because I was listening. It's Beautiful Name on the Coming Home record. I'm not sure why. And I was listening to it, and I was driving around the car. I'm like, why do they call this Beautiful Name? Is that Spotify, or what were you listening on? iTunes. It's on iTunes and I mean, Spotify. I will tell you that. Um, so that that record and a lot of our rec- a lot of our songs have been on the internet through the evolution of music online, and we've been through we've been through so many different digital distribu- distributors. Like back in the day, we had a real dis- distributor. Like we had a distribution deal. In fact, I think for a while we were on Orfinan, which was out, up here. Yeah, and. Um, and the way that it worked is things would just get like 
those distribution companies would get bought and sold and people would take them over. We have whole, whole releases that have been lost and like, we don't even have we like alternate versions. So we have a record called listen through the static. Oh yeah. And we had this little five song EP before that came out of alternate versions of songs, like acoustic versions and live versions. And that's gone. I kind of forgot be, about it. It used to be distributed and it just got, it just, you know, got, went missing and we never had a hard copy of it or anything. So anyway, mistakes get made from one distributor to the next and then they like transfer all of their intellectual property from one to the next and then they mess it up and then we have no way of like doing anything about it. It's real hard to go back once it's out there. Yeah. yeah. And you could, we could probably like demand it be taken down and then we'd have to re-put it back up but then it wouldn't like be in the, you know, in the package and it wouldn't have all those years of data analytics which we don't get but somebody could access if they want yeah. to. Yeah, and you know, beautiful name, good enough. Yeah, we have one called Octane. I know, just to say, Octance. one of my favorite songs is <laughs> Octane. And it's about time. It's time to get out of here. On the transistor record, I think it says Akatunsi or some something like that. On on the online online online. Yeah. Yeah, so nowadays we put them up through like TuneCore mostly. Yeah. And so now if there's a mistake on something recent, it would be me. It would be my <laughs> fault. <laughs> but yeah. the old ones, I, I, don't, I don't take any blame for that. All right. Hey, I'm here with Mike Butterworth and Jason Wallsmith of the Nadas. Thank you guys for being on the show. Please tune in next week for part two. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, in iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. When she was a young girl Her mother said You and me are the same You'll grow to be Someone powerful And come inside from the rain Daughter laughs like a mad child Do exactly what mothers say But in her mind she's and butterflies and dreams and hopes and taking walks in the rain butterfly me hey Take
this time she only wants to be alone and take walks in the rain to take a walk in the rain she's dancing Lucinda she's paid her dues now for her fame on a dark stage with most of her clothes Walking home in the rain Walk home now in the rain And I wanna be happier this time Tell me I'm not that Stretches on like summer days The broken hearts and they lies Far as the eye can see But Lucinda will find a way To make it home in the rain She spends her days now in the garden I can see she has pain She's pulling weeds now So her flowers grow up tall And take water when it rains Walk home now in the Take a walk in the rain 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 Take a walk in the rain